Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. All right, Coastline, are you guys doing good this morning? Everybody wake up now? You got enough uh, caffeine from Island Roasters or whatever? How many of you guys like Island Roasters coffee? That's what we serve here. So we serve. How many of you guys stopped at Starbucks today? We're not going to No, all the locals are like, I am not raising my hand. I did not go to a corporate place. I went local. That's what I do. Uh, no, we are equal opportunity coffee enjoyers. Hey, um... Today I'm in part two of a series we started last week called Devoted. I'm really excited about it. We're talking about how do we take the steps uh, to become and be fully devoted followers of Christ. Last week we got, I got up here and talked about that when it comes to being a, a Christian, it's not about uh, identity. It's not about what you identify as. It's not about you know, your politics or anything like that. Uh, it's a lot about action. And even so, f- more than that is when it comes to being a follower of Christ, a fully devoted follower of Christ. Devotion is not a destination that you've reached. It's not one of those things like if you're on staff at a church or if you've memorized enough scripture or if you have all of the right answers or you, like, you, you got no sin in your life ever you know, since you were like two or something like that. It, it's not about destination getting to a point. It's about a direction you're facing in life. It's about continuing to pursue that direction. That direction is to follow Christ and not withhold anything from him. It's about being fully devoted, giving of all. And so uh, last week we prayed a prayer, and uh, many of us, you know, there might have been an area in our own life that we had been holding back. Maybe, maybe it was like our finances. Maybe it was a relationship we're in. Maybe it was a decision-making or a, a issue that we were going through or what's going on in our job. And we sat in our chairs and we released it and said, Jesus, you have your way in these areas. And I'm excited for whatever that brings. I hope that it brings freedom, and I know that God will show up in it as we continue to put him first in these areas. Today, I'm going to springboard off of that, and we're going to jump into part two of this series, uh, this next, the second tool, this next tool that I believe is a part of being a fully devoted follower of Christ, and that is serving. And so today, uh, I'm going to preach a message uh, entitled Sent to Serve. And this entire series is coming out of uh, the book of Acts in which we see the early church, the, the, the church right after Jesus sets them on mission to go make disciples. Right after the Great Commission, we see this in the early church. This is start to be the example of what the church is supposed to be or, or was then. Acts chapter, two, verse, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47 says this. says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I'm going to tell you right this, like, when we read this part, when we read the book of Acts, I think many of us think, like, back to, like, when Jesus was here, like, Jesus was performing miracles, We've got no problem believing that, 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 that miracles can happen if, if, if Jesus is there, if Jesus is doing them. But here we see the early church as part of their devotion, part of their commitment, as they put him first, that they were doing miracles, that miraculous signs were happening amongst them. I don't know about you, but I, I live in a day where when it comes to church, I want to see miraculous things happen. 
I mean, I've got people that come to me and say, Brian, I'm dealing with, with this illness. I've got this report from the doctor. Brian, my, my wife and I are, are struggling through difficult times. We're trying to seek some counseling and stuff like that, but it doesn't seem like it's working very well. Man, I, I want to see the Holy Spirit move in such a way that we start to see miracles in the church today. And I think part of the direction towards that is an adjustment of our devotion towards him. So we continue on, it says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together one pla- in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at temples each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. I love the fact that as we see the early church continue to grow, as we see, as we see life continue to, 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 to get bigger and better towards pursuing, as they, as they pursue the mission that God had called them to, I love to see how, how the growth happens naturally. But all happens in this idea of coming together, doing life in community, serving one another. And so today I want to preach a message called Sent to Serve. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to jump right in. You guys ready? Let's do it. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would wake us up. Give us energy. I know that today we're a little bit, uh, we're, we're dragging a little bit. God, there's a, a little bit of a coldness in the air. It's not great for us Floridians. Uh, I pray that you would warm us up. And ultimately, God, I pray that as we, as we listen to this message, as you use me uh, God, to communicate what you would want to communicate. God, I pray you give me the words you want, to see, you want me to say. I pray that you give us the ears to hear it. And God, I pray that you would put a charge in our heart that we would leave here this morning changed. As we continue to follow you, I pray that you would have your way and the best would be yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen. One of the things that uh, my family and I have been doing recently uh, is we've been trying to not spend as much money on eating out. Anybody here like to eat out? I love it, New Smyrna. It's like terrible because there's like so many good places to eat out, right? There's the Taco Shack, there's Chick Fil A. Uh, I guess that's everywhere. That's not just that's not even, not even New Smyrna. I heard we're getting one though. God help us. Um, there was a clap. Someone's like, "I'm getting saved." A Chick Fil A is coming. Um, there's so many of these great places that we love. We love to eat out, and I, I love to do it. The only problem is, is like when I look at my bank account at the end of the week, I'm like, "Dang, that was a lot of eating out," right? It's like, man, I could about, it's like a small car payment or whatever like that, you know. That's a, and so at some point in our lives, Eric and I were like, okay, we've got to kind of get a little bit of a better grasp on this. And so we limited the eating out. We said we're going to start cooking dinner together as a family. And so like four or five nights a week, now we get together and we cook dinner. And I'm trying to like do cool things where like we cook it kind of from scratch. And, uh, and so now it's turned into this family occasion where the, the, it's actually a really – uh, cool thing I love to do with Olivia, where I say, I, I say, Olivia, I'm about ready to start cooking dinner. You want to help out? And Olivia, like, jumps on it. Now, Olivia is probably the smartest person in our home, including me and my wife. She's, like, try, she's seven years old. She's trying to, very hard to, like, be the leader. Um, good news, I'm more stubborn than she is. And so it's, there's this constant, like, not fight, but like tension with her of like, baby, I'm tr- let me teach you. Let me, let, me try to, let me try to help you along. And it doesn't, ha- it doesn't happen very easily. But when it comes to dinner time, when it comes to cooking, 
all of a sudden, Olivia becomes this thing where she wants to be the helper. And so as soon as I say, hey, we're, you know, let's, it's time to start cooking dinner, Olivia runs to her room. She gets this little tiny white stool. Uh, it's like a step stool because she can't reach the counter. And she comes up and posts right next to me, next to the sink, and we start cutting up vegetables or getting whatever ready. And I say, okay, I need, you know, two tablespoons of salt. She'll run over and get the measuring dish and carries her little stool to the other part of the kitchen and fills it up and then carries it back and then dumps it in. And it's this beautiful thing where, like, she all of a sudden starts to, like, be this nice little helper that I'm like, who are you and what have you done with my daughter? But it's got to a point now where it's like I cherish this time where, like, we're coming together as a family, and she's, she's being a part of it, and she's helping, and she's, like, she, like, literally to the point where, like, she's asking Erica, she's like, Mom, is there anything I can do for you? You know, Dad, is there anything that we can do? And so we bring all these elements together as a family, and we put it all in this pot, and, and we put it in the oven, and out comes this delicious meal that we get to share together, something that's going to help us, you know, for the, for the next, you know, hours and days to come. And as I started to think about, like, what's happening in our family during this time, I realized that this is a lot of what I believe that, that God and, and Jesus wants to see happen with you and his church when it comes to living out the mission that he's called us to. Jesus, before he left this earth, he went to his disciples and he says, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to put you on mission. This isn't one of those things where now you've sur- you're survived. Now you've, you've hit the destination, right? You're a follower of Christ, and I came back to life, and that's it. We're done. He puts them on mission and puts us on mission and says, hey, I, I want you to live with a mission to go out and make disciples. Tell people about what you saw me do in your life. It's the same thing true for what we're supposed to do. It's, a, it's this charge that in, in our places of work, in our places where we play and where we hang out, where we do life, it's this, it's this charge to continue to live on mission. But much like I love Olivia being a part of the, the process of, of what we're making for, for our future as a family, I think God likes that with you the same way. There's a part where God, God says, hey, like I'm, I'm trying to build something. I'm trying to build the kingdom for what it's going to be in the future, for what, for what you're going to experience and what you're going to get to enjoy, even in eternity. But come along, I want you to be, I want you to be a part of the process. This is going to be a lot more fun. It's going to be a lot more meaningful. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to become better if you'll just become part of the process. But it's tough because culture that we have right now, the culture that we live in, is, is very much kind of centered focused. As we look on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all these other things, it, 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 you can get this theme of the world is like we are king of our own life. We're the, the main character and we want what is best for us. And there's no one else in this world, no one else in this world that's going to want what's best for us more than us. We live in a world where it's like dog eat dog. So our culture says if you don't look out for you, if you don't do what you need and what you want, you're never going to experience it. This culture is not something new, though. It's something that's been around for a long time, even when Jesus was here. Jesus taught many messages trying to adjust this culture. If we look in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28, it says this. It says, but Jesus called them together and said, this is from Jesus himself, he says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. 
he's talking about how the, the, the culture is in that day of, like, if you're a leader, like, you want to make sure that everybody else knows that you're the leader. You're the jam, right? You're the, you're the, you're the top dog. He's addressing what the culture is, but he says, hey, there's, there's a different way. He charges them to be different. He says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, meaning himself, he's talking about himself in this moment, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, hey, the way culture is right now, that's, that's not how it should be. And it doesn't make sense to you yet, but you need to flip your understanding of this. When it comes to being a leader, when it comes to being king, when it comes to being you being the, 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 the main story, you need to think of yourself as a servant and humble yourself in these moments and help those around you. Jesus himself, the son of God, says he did not come to be served by those around him. He's got the authority. He said, I didn't come to serve. I, came to ser- I, didn't, I did not come to be served. I've come to serve. He continues on in Matthew 23. He says, the greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There's this great, sto- great story in the Old Testament that I think... Uh, illustrates this pretty well. Um, and actually, you know, I, I referred to what I learned in kids ministry years ago. This, the basis of the story I can remember vividly of, of uh, Mark and Paula Welch pulling out flannel. I think it was called flannel boards. You, ever, you never went to f- felt. Flannel is what you wear. You don't wear felt unless you want to itch. Okay. Fl- felt. They bust out these felt boards. And it had these paper things that stuck, stuck to the felt boards. And we didn't have iPads and screens back in those days. And so it was like very, you know, cutting-edge technology here. But it was, a, it, was a, it was a story about this guy named David and a man that he had to face that was a giant named Goliath. But as I went through, you know, studying this and went through Bible college, the story actually starts out a lot further in advance before he meets Goliath. See, back in those days, there was a king named Saul, and uh, God didn't specifically want Saul to be king, but the, the Israelite people were so pushing for wanting to have an, a physical leader, not just having faith and relying on God like they should have been, that they continue to push, continue to push until what point God tells the prophet Samuel, okay, I want you to go and find a king. So he finds this man named Saul, and Saul started out as a really great king and then quickly turned his mindset inward to what he wanted and started pursuing not the things that God wanted, not the direction God wanted, but what he wanted. Very quickly, God said, hey, I'm, this, is not, this is not the way I want to do life. And so he set Samuel on a task to go find who is going to be the next king of the Israelites. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that God sends Samuel to the house of Jesse. He says, Jesse, I need you to bring all your sons together. I think one of them is going to be the new king. But i got to hear from God first. So bring them all together. 
After them coming all together, Samuel looks at Jesse and says, hey, this, these guys aren't it. A lot of them are great-looking guys, a lot of strong-looking guys, but there's something missing. So he says this in chapter, 11, or chapter 16, verse 11. He says, are these all the sons you have? Jesse says, they're still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit and eat until he arrives. I brought this part up because you got to understand the context of, of who David was. We know the story that David goes on to fight Goliath, and David one day becomes king. But that's not where he started out. Where he started out was the youngest of his brothers. The youngest of the brothers, like, I, I'm experiencing right now seeing from an adult perspective of what it means to be a young brother. Because I've got Olivia, who's seven, and i got Ben, who's five. And Ben's got to fight for his life every day. Like, you, I'm telling you what, like, if he, they're, like, fighting for the remote. They're fighting for, like, the choice toys or whatever it is. They're fighting just to fight. And he's, it's, it's kind of, it's getting rough because it's, like, I got to, like, borderline tell him, like, hey, you got to, like, turn down the animal a little bit, son. Can't go crazy, right? Um, he's, for him, there's, like, no such thing as dirty fighting. He's just pulling hair, kicking, whatever. Um, after I sell this, people are going to think I have, like, a baby fight club in my house or something like that. That's not, Erica's telling me to turn it down. That's not, it's not that bad. But I see from just two years, like, the, the, the level that the younger son is on. I can't imagine if Ben had six or seven older siblings, what his life would be like. Anybody here the youngest of the siblings? How, how was that? That was, it wasn't that fun, was it? No. You, were, you got the lowest of the low. You got, like, everything. Was, not only that, like, in the culture of this day, not only was, like, life probably pretty tough for you, but it was also one of those things, like, when, when, whenever it came time for the inheritance to be passed out, guess how much you got of it? Not very much. To the point that when, when Samuel comes to Jesse and says, bring me your sons, because one of them might be the new king, Jesse doesn't even think to bring his youngest son. He's the lowest of the low. He's out doing a dirty job of watching sheep, serving his family. Come to find out, David would come to, to Samuel, and Samuel would anoint him and, and, and would understand that he would be the king to come. No one knew how it was going to happen or what would be happening next. But from a servant, from, from the lowest in the family, from doing the dirty job that nobody wanted, he would become the next king. We see just a little bit later on in the story that King Saul, the current king, would start to uh, have moments of, of being tormented. One of his, his, uh, the guys that gave him advice said, advisors said, you know, what would be great is if we could find someone that could play the harp very well. Maybe it would soothe you. It just so happened, here's David, happens to be a really great harp player. And so it says, Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David, the shepherd. And Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Here's the boy that Saul doesn't know is going to be the king to come. But he's not king right now. Right now he's serving. 
He's serving the guy that, that even God's not happy with at this moment. And God's put him in this place to, to serve. We don't know why. After he would go back home and the Israelites would continue to, to pursue a, a, a fight or a war with the, the Philistines, here comes Goliath, this giant of a man that stood taller than any other man, stronger than any other man. It said that he would get out on the, the, the battle lines and he would, he would uh, yell jokes at the Israelites and yell jokes about God Almighty. And as David is not at war with them, as David is back home watching his sheep, serving his family, doing the lowest of the lowest jobs, his father says, hey, I want you to go take some food to your brothers. Hey, here's a, here's a, here's a basket of snacks. I want you to take it to your brothers out on the battlefield. And he goes out and he sees Goliath and what he's doing. And nobody, nobody wants the job of facing Goliath. Everyone says, no, that's not, that's not something I want to do. That's not, that's not the person I'm going to face. That's the dirty, messy job that nobody, nobody wants. But David says this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. He says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. You're going to need to hear this next part. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion came or a bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. By the way, this was not anything that was taught to me in kids' ministry. We are not teaching, and we are not teaching Benjamin about clubbing anything, okay? <clears throat> if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he defies the armies of the living God. Can you imagine this, by the way, like hand combat with a, a lion? Or like, we don't have lions and bears in Florida. We got alligators. Can you imagine if Olivia is like, you know, taking care of our dog or whatever? It's like, I just had to kill this alligator. Tried to. That's some serious stuff. David goes and he has confidence about what he can do because he's seen God show up in the areas that he served before. We would find out later, we read in the book of Acts, it says this about David. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. It says, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And he will do everything that I want him to do. I want you to hold on to the last part. He will do everything that I want him to do. See, here's the thing. I, I think when it comes to us in life and when it comes to our culture, our, our culture says, like, you're the king. The story is about you. You've got to do what you want to do. You've got to fight hard to get to the next step. You've got to climb the ladder in the job that you're in. You've got to try to save, and you've got to try to pull everything that you can in to, to, to set your family up for success. 
But ultimately, I think to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, what he wants us to do is to do everything that he asks us to do. To, to not think so much that stories about us, but to, to switch gears and think, you know what? What if I serve the people around me? What if I, what if I serve the person? What if I serve in my, in my church? You know one of the things I'm so thankful for is we have a fantastic team of volunteers at Coastline that, that really make church happen week in and week out. Whether it's from children's ministry to the hospitality team to the tech team, if it wasn't for these guys, I promise you, church would, church would not happen. And they do it because they love you. And they do it because they know that God has called them to be part of the mission, to go make disciples. And it might not be with a sign on a street corner. It might be the little step of smiling and shaking hands as people walk in the door on a Sunday morning. It might be one of those things of greeting the family that, that had a tough weekend, that things didn't work out the way they thought they would, but greeting them with a warm embrace or a kind smile that adjusts their, their spirit and gets them ready to hear from what God wants them to say and to be heard. As I think of the story of David, David, we know, became king. The reason he became king is because he would do what God told him to do. He wasn't afraid to serve. And the best part of it is he served. And while he served, he got the pieces and the tools that he needed to do what God had planned for him in the future. Because if he hadn't faced, if he hadn't done the dirty job of taking care of the sheep, he wouldn't have known how to defeat the lion and how to defeat the bear. He wouldn't have had the, the courage to go and defeat the giant. If he hadn't been the servant of the king and saw the king and how he did business, he might not have had the tools that he needed to be ready to be king of, the, of God's people. What he learned from serving led him to the place of leadership, led him to the place where he was king. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think important part of your story is to take the step of serving. Maybe it's serving your spouse. Maybe it's serving your church. Maybe it's serving your, your neighbor. Maybe it's doing the things in your home that nobody wants to do, the dirty jobs. As I, as I see stories of what Jesus did, he was a man that was not afraid to serve. John chapter 13, verse 1 through 5, talks about a time when it's coming close to the end of Jesus' life here on this earth. Right before the Passover celebration, right before he passes around the cup of, 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 of wine and the, the, the pieces of bread for taking communion, it says before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during the ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew what the Father had given him authority over and everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, 
He took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and washed the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had around him. The man that would die for all of our sins and all of our shame, the man that would save us from ourselves and allow us to experience eternity in heaven. One of his last moments was to serve those that were around him. And it, it wasn't an easy job. It wasn't, a, it wasn't even just a symbolic thing. You talk about these guys that have been walking around in the dusty roads for weeks in sandals. These, these weren't guys that took showers every night. This was, a, this was a dirty job that even Mike Rowe wouldn't want. That's his name, right? The guy that does dirty jobs. But Jesus takes off his clothes and puts on his, his working outfit and serves his disciples, the ones that he leads. I think it's a beautiful testament to what we're supposed to do. As, full, as fully devoted followers of Christ, I believe what we are called to do is take a step and to serve the church. Not, not, not Cosine Church, but the body of believers. I think we're supposed to all come together like we see in the book of Acts. We're supposed to help out one another. We're supposed to support one another where we can to help fulfill the mission that God has called us to, to help people find him. I want to tell you through my own life, I've seen amazing things happen from serving. Years ago after Bible college, I was doing a construction job, and I was attending a church, but I wasn't really serving at a church. I was just going through the motions, kind of punching my ticket and trying to figure out, God, I don't know what you got next, but here I am. Looking back on it now, I think I was just, I was just going through the motions. And I had a friend of mine come to me and said, Brian, I, I need someone to come play bass for worship here in the next couple Sundays. I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. I was like, I don't, you know, I'm just kind of enjoying just going to church. He says, yeah, I, I can see that. But I think you need to take your next step. I, th I think that this is not the place, this is not the destination where, that God has for you. I, I want to challenge you. Also, I really need someone to help out next week. So I told him, I was okay, buddy, I'll do it. I showed up that week and I served, and I showed up the next week and I served. I showed up the next week and I served. And I continued on that. I'm going to tell you right now, if it hadn't been for that one time that I took a step and I served, I don't know if I would be what I'm doing here today. I might still be back doing construction. But there were some things that happened, some life-changing events happened that while I served that, that changed me forever, that drew me closer into my relationship with Christ. It also helped me meet my wife. See, I, I remember a couple weeks later as I'm playing bass, looking over and seeing a girl in the cafe that had volunteered to do cafe ministry. And she's serving people coffee and in the middle of that, raising her hands and worshiping. I thought, man, I want a wife like that one day. I didn't know a few weeks later I'd have the courage to go talk to her. 
find out she was dating somebody else. My goodness. But she'll tell you this story is similar. Someone invited her to church. She started going through the motions. And she felt a call. She felt a challenge to take a next step. And she started serving. That was 15 years ago. You haven't stopped yet. I think serving is part of the mission that we're called to and being fully devoted followers. And I want to challenge you to think about taking that step. Today's message is not for me to try to manipulate you into being the children's ministry worker or to hold a, hold a door open or to set up sound. Today's message is simply a challenge as a fellow brother in Christ who wants to see you grow who's who's invested into a point of view where he wants to see God continue to do some great things in you. He wants to see miracles happen in your life. I'm going to tell you the next step in being a fully devoted follower of Christ is not just attending church. It's not just punching a ticket. It's about being a part of the mission. About living a life and understanding that we've been called, that we're being sent to serve the people around us. The areas that we offer here at Coastline for for serving is just an opportunity, opportunity for you to serve. I remember the first time I ever served in church ever. You know what it was? My mom forced me to go to church. I was probably 12 years old, and the pastor came up to me and said, hey, the sound guy didn't show up. I need you to hit record on the cassette tape to record my sermon. So I literally sat in the sound booth, and that's all I did. I'm pretty sure I messed it up for like weeks in a row. I had one job push a button. But even doing that changed my life. So I want to challenge you to take your next step here in this season to serve. Serve here at Coastline. If you don't want to serve at Coastline, come talk to me. I'm happy to help you find a place to serve. we got places like Bridging the Gap and Frog Ministries that they would love to have volunteers through the week. Ways that you can serve your community, continue to serve the mission that God is calling us to. All the while, I just want to challenge you to take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. It'll change your life forever. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being the good father that you are, that you challenge us and spur us to take steps out of what's comfortable and into what you've called us to. God, I pray that you continue to stretch us, continue to mold us, continue to shape us to be the men and women you've called us to. And I pray that you would give us the courage even now to step out in faith, to serve your church, to serve you, to serve our neighbors that are around us. God, I pray that we would not just identify as followers of Christ, but we would become fully devoted followers as we pursue you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. We're going to worship one last song before we leave here this morning, but I want to let you know this, that if you're interested in taking your next step, if you want to become a volunteer. If you want to serve here at Coastline, there's a couple ways you can do so. One is I'll be in the breezeway at the end of service. I'd help. I'd love to help get you connected somewhere. But also, if you've downloaded the Church Center app, you can fill out the Connect card, and there's an area on there where you can write in, hey, I'm interested in serving. You can hit send even from the comfort of your car ride home. But I want to challenge you to take the next step. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.